0: How many knows the angel came and told Mary and Joseph what Jesus' name was going to be? Huh? You know, John the Baptist daddy thought he was going to name whatever he wanted to name. And then God shut him up and said, you'll name him what I tell you to name him. How many knows that's just weird that that God, with the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one that was prophesied that would come out of the wilderness, come on, eat locusts and wild honey and prepare in the way of the Lord and all of this, and he gets a name, John. No offense if your name is John. I mean, come on. Come on here. I mean, that's that's a a now-day name. Praise God. And the Lord said, Thou shalt call the forerunner of the Savior of the world. We're thinking of, you know, some big, long... Powerful name that's never been used, you shall call his name John. John's a cool name. Names, everybody's got them. One thing that everybody's got in common. Your name is probably different than most people's names in this room. You may be the same as one or two other people in this room. But whether your name is the same or whether it's different from any other person in this room, everybody in here's name has one thing in common. You are named by someone else. Your name may mean something. I told you my name, Larry, I'm named after a former boyfriend of my mother that she was in love with in high school. My brother was named because I was five years old, and my mom blindfolded me at age five, and we opened the phone book. Some of y'all don't even know what a phone book is. Some of this younger generation, that's how we used to have to Google. It was called Yellow Pages. We'd let our fingers do the walking. Come on. Amen. And, and then and then we'd open it up, and she blindfolded me, and I dropped my name out, and she she called out, Jeffrey. Flipped over a few pages. I put my finger down and called out Michael, and she said, if it's some big elaborate thing in our little kitchen there, she goes, his name shall be Jeffrey Michael. He hates that. He hates that story. To this day, if you ever meet my brother, he will refuse to answer to Jeffrey. Now that he's an adult, he wants to be Jeff. But I still call him Jeffrey. Hallelujah. Some very famous names, not so famous names in the Bible and even in our time. Very quickly, we talked about every week, we talked about, you know, how a name, even to this day, brings positive or negative connotation with it. Trump. Boy, y'all scared to laugh or y'all scared to say amen? Well, I mean, that, that's how powerful that name is. Y'all be like, I don't know how to react. I, I don't want to go, woohoo, or black devil. Don't matter. I don't want you to do either one of them. But you understand what I'm saying. The name Trump brings emotion. Obama, Clinton, Bush. But on the flip side, I point out every week, names like Rockefeller. They make you think of what? Money, money, money. money. But you know there's some folks out there, there's some struggling folks out there that, you know, working just to get by, barely making it from paycheck to paycheck, and hates the na- fact that their last name is Rockefeller. Because everybody thinks they always got money, but they're struggling. How many know just because your name is Rockefeller don't mean you're rich? But we equate the name with that. Einstein, we equate, we equate with genius. Or we equate it with when somebody's really dumb, we say, he ain't no Einstein, that's for sure. But in the Bible, we've talked about, Different names over the last week. Now I want to talk about a series of events that it's incredible when you no- look at the names of the people that were involved in this famous story and uh, in scripture and the and the series of events that happen in their lives. And then when you st- delve in to knowing what their names mean, it is incredible. It speaks of the infinite. Knowledge of God that nothing catches God by surprise. Can I get an amen? The first true judge of Israel, the prophet Samuel. Anybody ever heard of Samuel? Say amen. I'm going to get to Scripture in just a second. But Samuel's story did not begin as an adult in the Bible. It began as a young child Being born from a situation that seemed impossible, can I get an amen? God touched the womb of a barren woman and brought forth a child named Samuel. And Samuel, as a young boy, when he was old enough to be weaned from his mother, was placed into the temple service to God. Everybody say Samuel. Samuel, as a young boy, when he was placed into the temple, he was placed... To serve under a man named Eli. Everybody say Eli. Now, it's interesting to me that this story that we first learn about that God has got a special calling on Samuel's life is one night he goes to bed. This is all in Scripture. I don't have time to read all of this because I've got a lot of ground to cover. One night he's laying in bed, and he hears a voice. Something wakes him up, and he hears a voice say, Samuel. Notice he didn't say, hey, boy. How many of us? God knows us by. Even though some other human being named us, he knows us. By our given name. I don't know about y'all, but that's awesome enough to me right there to know that God knows Larry Joe Ragland. That he ain't got me labeled as some number in some database. He knows me by name. How many knows the one word that people consistently say they love hearing more than any other word is what? Their own name. You ever been to a place, you ever visited a church or visited somewhere and you came back a couple of weeks later and you walked in thinking nobody in the world knows you and you walk in the back door and they say, hey, Larry, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Good to have you back. What? Does that not shock you? It's one thing for them to say, hey, brother, it's good to see you. I think I saw you before. That makes you feel welcome. But it goes to another level when they call your name. God wakes him up going on? Samuel. So the only thing that he knew to equate the voice of the father with as a young boy was the voice of the spiritual father that he was serving. In other words, to him, God, this is the way God works many times, he will use things that we are, the voice and the personality of people that are around us. And he'll use their voice to sound like his voice, especially if it's someone that we love and appreciate. So he runs into Eli who's laying in his bed in his room, wakes him up and says, Here I am, Lord. What do you need? Eli said, What are you doing, boy? You crazy. Had a bad dream. Go back to bed. You didn't call me? I heard you call my name. I didn't call you, boy. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed a few, few moments later. He finally goes to sleep. He's awoke, awakened again, and he hears Samuel. He runs back in there to Eli again. What is it? What is it? You keep calling my name. This happens over and over again. He keeps telling him, It's not me. It's not me. How many, how many of you ever had one of those kind of times? things, things where, where God has to just slap you upside the head because he keeps doing it over and over and over again until one day you finally go, Duh. Okay, I get it, God. You're trying to talk to me. You ever been there? Until finally it hits Eli. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, been, I was too sleepy to realize what was going on. Uh, that wasn't my voice, son. That was God. So the next time you hear that, just tell the Lord, Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to be used by God. So he does. God says, Samuel. And he wakes up right there in his bed. He says, Here I am, Lord. And God begins to move in the life of Samuel. Isn't it interesting? that the story of Samuel begins with God attempting to be heard by Samuel, and Samuel's name means heard by God. His name literally means heard by God. So when God moved upon his mother to name him, he named, she named him Heard, actually it's Heard of God. Heard by God, and his story begins in a conversation where he's hearing God, and then God hears him. The moment that that God hears him say, Here I am, Lord, God begins to move in the life of Samuel. He fulfilled his name when he said, Here am I, Lord. Are y'all hearing me? Eli. Eli, his name means ascension. To go up. Now that's interesting in itself. I could preach on that, but what hit me when I was studying this is I realized that when you look at the name Eli, what jumps out in me is it's only three letters, but the first two letters of Eli's name is El, which of course is the name of God, El Shaddai. It is the the, pre- the preview of the of the nature of God, El Shaddai. El, come on, are y'all, hearing me? The, the God that the God that. But it's interesting that Eli, when you know the story of Eli, I don't know how much I'm going to get to preach about the story of Eli, we see very quickly that Eli was named with the name of God within his name. But the problem with Eli is that he cared more about the I than he did the L. And when you put the letter I in, in his name, it really laid out the prophet Eli. He was more worried about himself than he was about God when he was supposed to be the prophet. He permitted things in his flesh that a prophet was not supposed to permit. His two sons, pretty funny names, were Hophni and Phineas. I'm sorry if your name is Hophni or Phineas. I don't mean uh, to make fun of your names, but that's an unusual name. Hophni and Phineas. Hophni. You shall be known as Hophni. You shall be known as Phineas. I'm not going to break that down. <laughs> <laughs> Is my face as red as it feels like? Okay. He permitted Hophni and Phinehas, (laughs) I can't get it out of my head, to offer strange fire on the altar, incense on the altar, which was an abomination unto God, and he permitted it. So he allowed Hophni and Phinehas to grow up in the priestly ministry underneath his leadership as priest. And to defame the house of God. Now we come to Scripture. And it's a lot of Scripture. So stay with me. I'm going to read it fast. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 10. you got to get this. So they go out to battle against the Philistines. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. And everyone fled to their own tent. There was a great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Watch this, verse 11. Also, the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, died. There was a man of Benjamin who ran from the battle line until that same day, came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head, which was a sign of grieving and stress. Now when he came, he found Eli, watch this, sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. Mm. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was now 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I have fled today from the battle line. He said... What happened to my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has been a great slaughter among the people. Watch this. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured. Are you all with me, church? You're still alive. Then it happened. When he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off his seat backward by the seat, of the seat of the gate, the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy. There's probably a bunch of Jacks and Wendy's everything right there, and he frequent them. And he, but he judged Israel for 40 years. 40 years was a generation. Are y'all hearing Now, his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, due to be delivered. When she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women tried to encourage her was standing next to her and said, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she even regard the baby. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. That's a lot of stuff to digest. Eli did not fall off his chair until he heard the ark was taken. He didn't fall off his chair when he heard that his sons were dead. But he fell off his chair when he knew the ark was taken. She went into labor. Yes, she missed her husband, but the Bible made it very clear that when she heard the ark of God was taken, labor triggered. Oh, but don't worry. Don't worry, ma'am. I got good news. I know it looks like everything is bad, but I got good news. You have a brand-new, healthy baby boy. How about that baby boy? That baby boy was innocent. That baby boy had nothing to do with what had happened to the events of that day. But that baby boy was labeled and named what happened in an entire nation that day. Because she knew the line of priests was her husband, her brother-in-law, and her father-in-law, and they're all gone. But more than anything, the glory that she had been taught all her life that resided upon the ark of God was gone. How I many know sometimes it feels like there is no hope? Are you hearing me? Sometimes you feel like that woman who just gave birth. Sometimes you look around and you say to yourself, My God, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Are you hearing me? You look around, and it looks like everything the preacher said, bless God, everything your hands touch is going to bless and prosper. But everything your hands touch is falling apart. People have abandoned you. You've lost your job. You're about to lose your house. You're about to lose your car. You're about to lose everything that means anything to you. You're always sick in your body. You've got a diagnosis. Fill in the blank. Hopelessness has set in. With hopelessness comes a spirit of suicide. At that, one, at that moment, she died, by the way. I don't know if she would have made it, if she would have had hope or not. But she gave up on everything. Because in the natural, she felt like, I've got nothing to live for. But they were trying to tell you, no, 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 no. You've got something to live for. You've got a son. How many know sometimes your life can be so desperate and so depressing that you don't even appreciate the gifts that God has given you around you? Oh, I'm preaching better than some of y'all are shouting. You got you got little ones. Pulling on your leg, and you don't even feel them pulling on your leg. Papa, papa, daddy, mama, mama, Nia, mimi, whatever they call you. They're trying to get your attention, but you don't even know they're there because all you think is that all of hell has been unleashed against you and God has forsaken you. What you don't realize is the things that God has put around you that He's trying to show you wait a wait, minute, wait a minute, it's not all bad. Somebody that you that that you you may have lost this, but look around and see what you haven't lost. Look around and see what's still here. But when you feel like, listen, it's it's a big deal in the New Testament, but it's a big deal back then. The Ark of the Covenant, if you had the Ark of the Covenant, you had the glory. If you didn't have the Ark of the Covenant, you didn't have the glory. So when you feel, how many know sometimes you can even appreciate the good things that you've been given. But when you feel like you ain't got God on your side anymore, when you feel like God has forsaken you, you'll say things you never thought you'd say. Not just to yourself and people you love, but even to the God that you've committed yourself to serve. Am I preaching right? So before you judge this woman you need to evaluate where you've been in a few seasons in your life where you might not have named your son Ichabod which means the glory has departed but you have spoken that the glory has departed over your life and you have walked in the spirit of Ichabod. Ichabod simply means The glory has departed. Now, I always try to equate it this way. Because when you're little, your name is pretty important. But you don't really care so much about your name when you're little unless it's time to eat. Now, some of y'all younger generation, you don't know this thing that I'm about to talk about. It's going to be completely foreign to you. It's called playing outside. There was a time where, as a child, you went outside. This ain't some new doctrine I'm preaching up here. This this really happened, y'all. We went outside. We played on things called swing sets. We built things called forts. Huh? Huh? Well, wasn't you hungry? No, we ate mud pies. Huh? We picked honeysuckles. Come on, somebody. Suck them things. Come on, y'all hear me? Does anybody feel me? And we played and we played and we played and we played. But everything changed when you heard the screen door come open and you heard mama or grandmother going, Larry, time to eat. Huh? Am I preaching right? How would you like to live your life hearing this? You're out there playing. You're feeling good about yourself. You're building a fort. And you hear your mom open the door. The glory has departed. We have been forsaken by God. Time to eat. And all your friends that are named bless and prince and king. Look at you and go, really? We're reminded again that the ark is gone because of you. Literally. Literally. It blows my mind because they all knew what Ichabod meant. He's been raised up and people taking care of him, feeding him. My name, my name is, this is Larry. You are Ichabod. Say this with me. Ichabod. First time he ever said, he was so proud. Ichabod. Ichabod. Nobody did that. Nobody went, woohoo, he can say his name now. Because every time he told you who he was, you were reminded that God had taken his glory from us. Names are important. Are you hearing me? See, We don't know a whole lot more about Ichabod after that, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard to imagine that Ichabod lived a very successful life and became a public speaker of how to be your best. No one wants to sign up for a motivational speech by a guy named the glory has departed. But the Ark of the Covenant Is what did it all. The Ark of the Covenant represented the glory of God. It was holy. It had been taken away. You know what the Philistines did? I love this part of the story. The Philistines thought there was nothing to it. They just thought it was a box. They thought it was a made-up story. God allowed them to take it. And now, God didn't just reside in a box or on a box. But there was... Many reasons, if I had time to preach it on another day, I might preach it on, on the Ark of the Covenant and the Temple and so forth. I probably will. But but all of it was symbology. All of it was types and shadows to show us of a better covenant that was coming. But yet there was, there was something very significant on that box. Don't let, don't The glory of the Lord, the mercy seat, He did come down on that place. We know that because if you didn't touch, if, you, if, if God didn't permit you to touch it and if it wasn't time to be touched, you'd be struck dead only certain people were instructed to touch it but for whatever reason probably because of the of the lives of the of the people who were living in Israel at that time god said okay you don't this is the way it's always been oh uh, you know you you don't want the glory of god in your in your in your camp then so be it i'm not going to force myself on anybody so he allowed the ark of the covenant the philistines somehow was able to carry it and they said we're going to make a mockery of the god of israel so they took the ark of the covenant from in that battle of the Philistines, and they took it straight into their temple of Dagon, which is the fish god, a fish head and the body of a person, where they would worship this god named Dagon. And they did the audacity, and really the stupid thing, they set it right next to Dagon. And they all just went home and went to bed. And it was time to get up and go worship Dagon the next day. And all the Dagon priests got up and all the Dagon worshipers got up and went into the Dagon temple. It almost makes me want to say the Dagum temple. I went into the old Dagon temple. I'm going to start saying that. I don't give a Dagon. They went into the Dagon temple. And you know what? When they opened up the curtain, what they found The head of the God of Dagon had broken off and was laying beneath the Ark of the Covenant. In the middle of the night, God said, I'll show you, you fish head. So the Philistines freaked out. They said, we got to get rid of this thing. So they began to pass it on. And the Bible tells us place and city and village, it went two or three different places, every place was tormented. Every place went through attacks. Nobody wanted to keep it anymore. But nowhere during that time did people begin to pray for God to bring the glory back. Are you hearing me? Because if you name your generation Ichabod, until someone else comes along, to reverse that curse. Not only will you accept that the glory of God is gone, but you will accept that it's gone forever, and you'll begin to try to figure out how to live, exist, worship, and fight without God. The power of a name. Listen to me. What you've got to get about the name of Ichabod, this wasn't just a boy. Eli was the priest. His sons were Hophni and Phinehas. They were the next in line of the Levitical priests. What you got to get is Ichabod, when that boy was born, was born as the priest of Israel. Oh, you didn't hear me. The priest, the high priest of Israel was now known as the glory of the Lord has departed. How are you going to worship God when your pastor's name the glory ain't here? Who wants to go to a church? Where are you going to church? I go down to that church where there's no glory. I go down that church where there's no favor. I go down. I've, I've been looking, looking, looking. I finally found a, a church where God doesn't even exist. That's my pastor. Do you hear me? So what happens is the priest grows up to become the spiritual father. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. So the seed, spiritual that is it's planted into a nation is planted from a man who was marked by the curse. So isn't it any wonder that we don't hear people having all-night prayer meetings for the glory of the Lord to return? And God begins, it's almost like the Ark of the Covenant begins to be a story that the old people talked about. Just like nowadays, you hear stories about the miracle revivals of the 50s and 60s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Now, I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of telling stories. I'm ready tonight, and every time we come together, it's time for people of the next generation to talk about the miracles of this generation. I'm tired of talking about what used to be. I want to walk in what is. Am I still preaching? I'm just wondering. So something happens when you walk in a life under a spirit of Ichabod. Some of you are living under a spirit of Ichabod. We talk a lot about rightfully so. We just heard some very powerful teaching about uh, Sister Charlotte about the spirit of Jezebel and Python and all these other spirits. I think we need to talk more about the spirit of Ichabod. Because the spirit of Ichabod is the spirit quite frankly, that most people walk under, that opens doors to all the others. Because if you don't believe God is working in your life, you're open to any spirit. Oh, I'm preaching good. How many would agree the spirit of Ichabod has settled on this nation? So what happens? Something happens in the spirit of Ichabod that would have never happened before, was never intended to happen, was never supposed to happen. The people did not demand that the glory return. The people begin to demand to have a king. It was only possible for the people to desire to have a king. Watch this. The only example they ever had of a people having a king was all the other nations that they had fought against. Israel did not have a king, but these other nations did. But when the glory has departed, you will begin to think the only way we can be successful is we've got to form ourselves, transform ourselves to look like everybody else around us. That is what the spirit of Ichabod has done in many churches. We have been told the only way that we could ever grow, the only way we could ever make a difference in our community is we've got to look talk act exactly like everybody else out there but I want to ask you a question if people come in the house I'm not talking about judgmental I'm not talking about legalistic preaching I'm not got anything that's lights and smoke and dancing and all that kind of stuff in the house of God but if people can't tell something is different in here than from out there what are we doing what are we doing we have, that's why so many preachers fall into sin is because the people begin to demand in the church for a king. They want a king and lift him up in the pulpit instead of worshiping and serving Almighty God. Now watch it. So they begin to demand a king. And I love this. The Bible says it angered Samuel. Samuel began to say to them, you don't need a king. We have something none of them have. We don't just have a God like Dagon or Baal or fill in the blanks. We have the God. We have the God that stepped out into the nothingness and spoke to nothing and nothing became something. We have the God that said, let us make man in our image. That's our God. Why would you want a king? See, Samuel was especially angry because he was saying, listen, you want a king to tell you what to do, but you already have a prophet That hears directly from God that tells you what to do. The problem is you don't want to hear what I got to say. This is why the devil tried to blow up the sound system today. So the Bible says, I ain't got time to preach it. That's an amazing journey of a story that we're on. We've gone from from Samuel being born saying, here I am, Lord meaning herd of God, to Eli, to Hophni, and Phinehas, and all of them dying to the glory of the Lord, departing, and the child being named Nicobai. And generations later, they begin to cry out for a king. So there arose a young man named Saul. Not Saul that's in the New Testament, Saul that's in the Old Testament. Very tall man, the Bible says, And they, there's several chapters that, let me back up and say this. This is pretty awesome. So Samuel gets mad at the people and says, y'all don't need a king. So he goes to God. Now listen, this is in your Bible. He says, God, I love how sometimes we talk to God. We talk to God like we're trying to tell him some stuff that he didn't already know. Come on. God, in case you didn't know, I just come to tell you that your people are demanding a king and I busted their tail. Aren't you proud of me, God? Huh? Don't you love it? It reminds me when a light just said, oh, I tell you what, it's a good thing I'm still here, God. Because I'm the only one left that's serving you that's never bowed a knee to bell. Just me and you, God. And God just sort of laughs at him and says, I appreciate you too. But, you know, I got a bunch of them that's right down there, the Val. never I ain't never bowed a knee either. So you, you ain't the only one. You ain't as big and bad as you think you are. He says, God, I told him they don't need a king. I want you to hear what God says. This is powerful. This is the Old Testament, y'all. If we got a better covenant based on better principles. Watch what God says to Samuel. Give them what they want. That's the way he says Sam, Go back and read your Bible. That's what they want? Give them what they want. Why does he say give them what they want? Because he is the one in Genesis 1.26 when he made us, he gave us dominion. He gave us the right to choose the path that we want. And he said, if that's what they want, they don't want me, I'll still love them. I'm not changing one thing about how. I'll still be here if they need me, but give them what they want. So says, so, well, who you want me to name? He says, you need to go get this guy named Saul. Now, now what is the name of our series? Say it again. So God... Tell Samuel to go anoint a young man named Saul. It's gonna blow y'all's mind. Now I don't preach if I can't back it up. Get your strongs out when you get home. Saul means what you prayed or asked for. What? Do you understand that? About I fell out of my chair? When I gives him a king whose name means ask for. You ask for it. Literally gives him a king named, you ask for it. How many of those, you better be careful what you ask for. God may give you something and name it, you ask for it. That's incredible to me. Then of course Saul, God blesses him and anoints him, because I mean, there's something called the perfect will of God and the permissive will of God. Sometimes God will bless your mess, but that don't mean He's completely happy with where you're at. Are you hearing me? So the story of Saul goes on. He begins to be a great king. Does well, literally. In less than two years, he begins to do things by his own will. Why would he not? The glory has departed. Why would he not? He was literally operating under an anointing of God, yes, but also an anointing and mandate of the people. So so who do you... I had time to preach this. I wish I had a church that would help me preach. Watch this. If you were put in position because of the people and not because of God, who are you going to work to please? Huh? His name wasn't what God asked for. His name was what you asked for. That's why a lot of pastors and preachers are afraid to preach the Word of God because they're a contract-hired employee. I don't care if you like it or not. If you can't hack it, you can get your jacket and find you another church, go get you a preacher, but you ain't got no preacher in this place. You got a pastor that's been here for over 25 years, and if anybody's going to leave, honey, it's probably going to be you. Am I preaching right? Whether you like it or not, say amen. So now watch this. He begins to go into battle where he used to ask Samuel. Sometimes he'll go without asking Samuel. Sometimes he'll go asking Samuel. Samuel telling him about it because he talked to Samuel. But then he won't do nothing that Samuel told him to do. Listen to what happens in 1 Samuel 13. Samuel, which means heard of God, says to Saul what you asked for. Ain't this good? Chapter 13, verse 13 says, and Samuel says to Saul, because he come back and he didn't do what God told him to do, he says, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God which he commanded you. Watch what he says. For now the Lord would have, somebody say would have, He would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Watch this now. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord God commanded you. So at that moment, This is what God is saying to Saul through Samuel. You still have the title in the eyes of the people, but you don't have the title in my eyes anymore because I'm tired of dealing with a man that's after his own heart and not after my heart. And I've already been dealing with him, You don't know who he is, and I've already been preparing him, and when he's in place, he ain't going to run things like you. Am I preaching good? So then another battle comes, and watch this. He gives him another shot, even though he's still entitled only. He's still the king. He continues to lead and fight in wars without the favor of God on him. Now, he knows, sometimes you can go places on your skill. Sometimes you can achieve things on your talent. But eventually, your talent will take you places that your character cannot keep you. And you will be exposed. Samuel, in this particular battle, gives Saul very specific instructions. says, God says when you win this battle, I don't mean to gross you out here and freak you out, but this is what he said. Kill them all. Every, not every person, we need this bloodline gone because they're trying to taint our bloodline. We need them gone. I don't care if you feel like that's a loving God or not. When you really search with the eyes of a loving God, you'll understand that it was God trying to protect his people. He said, not only do I want them all killed, I want every animal killed, I want every Dog killed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dog lovers. I love my dog. You kill my dog. I'll, I'll probably shoot you and pray for you at the same time. I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't mess with my dog. But this is the Old Testament. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I want them all gone. I don't want you bringing nothing back. Now, watch this. It's just like what happened to Abram and Sarah. When God came to them and said, you're going to have a child, Sarah laughed. They all had a good belly laugh on it because they were already past the age of childbearing. So, when it didn't happen immediately, what did they begin to do? Sarah has this idea that I'm just going to help God out. It's a good idea in her mind. I need to make sure that what God said is true for my husband. I can't have a baby, so I'll take. Watch this. How many knows this would never work in your house? Can I get an amen? I'm going to get that lady that comes by and cleans our house every once in a while and go to my husband and say, hey, this is only a temporary thing, but you can have her tonight. You need to have a child. Let me tell you something. If something like was Some go down in the Ragland household. Uh, no, no, no. This woman, need to move them things around again, whatever y'all done the other night. That woman would go to be with Jesus. Huh? She wouldn't be around long enough to have a baby. I'd, I'd be gone before her. She'd be like, you have something to do with this? Come here, boy. I don't see no greatness in you today. I see death in you today. But how I many of when you're outside of the will of God, you will try to help God out. You will convince yourself that what you're doing is godly. So he wins the battle, I mean, very successful. And he says, you know, when we get back, we're going to have a church, sir. We're going to have a church. That's what Saul said. We don't even have enough animals back there to sacrifice to adequately praise God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the women and come back. The women, and we're going to make them slaves, and we're going to make them uh, serve in our house. That's going to give our wives a break. And then we're gonna, here's a great idea that I've got for God. We're going to take all these animals back, and we're going to save these animals, and then we're going to slaughter them all on the altar, and we're going to give God the praise for the battle. So when they got back... Samuel comes up to Saul, what you asked for, and says, how many many of you ever had your mama or daddy when you was a kid? You now look back on it and you know they already knew the full truth. They already knew everything. But they're like, I need to ask you a question. Did you do what I told you to do? How many, how many members that? Uh yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, you did everything I told you to do. Yes, ma'am, you, want, you you sure about that statement? Are you absolutely sure you did everything I told you to do? You start getting a little bit scared because you thought you did it. You thought you pulled it off and tricked it. you would be like, uh, y- y- yes, m- yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Last opportunity. As she reaches back to grab the switch in her hand. If you, you live with my mama, and she's just holding it, and she's just sort of spinning it, and she goes, just one more time. Did you do what I told you to do? <laughs> I'm sorry, mama. No. <coughs> this is like Samuel. Samuel comes in and saw him. He already knows because he's going from God. God sent him in there. He goes, hey, man. Hey, king. What's up? Pretty good, prophet. How are you? Doing wonderful. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, how'd the battle go that we prayed about, that we asked God for direction? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing how God blessed us. Really? That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, by the way, before I go, I just want to ask you one question just so I can just go ahead and tell God that we had this talk. Did you do everything that I told you to do? Uh, Of course. Of course we won the battle. We gave God all the praise. Oh, this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I love it. And I love to read it from the King James because he goes, he goes, now are you sure, are you sure you did what I told you to do? Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. He goes, well, then what is that bleeding in my ears? What is that sound I hear? I hear the sound of sheep and lamb and animals bleeding in my ears. So Samuel said, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. So Samuel says, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice? Why is he saying that? Because when he had to come clean, oh, wait a minute. I understand what you're going Let me explain. The reason you hear all those sheep and lamb and goats is because I brought them back so that we could worship God with them. Samuel says, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offers and sacrifices? Does he delight that much in as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. To heed and hearken is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. In other words, Israel, I gave you what you asked for, but I'm getting a little tired of it. I'm ready for you to serve under somebody I asked for. It's 1146. What's this? To obey is better than the sacrifice. To hearken than the fat of rams. That's enough to preach in itself. But then he makes it very clear Son, let me tell you something. King, not only are you not a king anymore. Not only are you not operating under the favor of God, you are a witch. When you are in rebellion against the will of God, he wait a minute, let me break it down. He wasn't just rebellious against God. He was directly rebellious against God's man who had only spoke what God said. When you are in rebellion, you are operating in a spirit of witchcraft. It's good preaching whether you like it or not. So God rejects what we ask for and tells, heard of God or heard from God, Samuel, get up. Go to a place, to a house. He didn't just tell him to go to a place. He told him to go to a house. He said, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. And I don't know about y'all, but just because of Jesse, the plans, so I can never just say Jesse. I got to say Jesse. Go to the house of Jesse. Jesse means gift. So, you have followed and operated under a spirit of Ichabod. No glory. That spirit of Ichabod birthed what you asked for. Now, your spiritual father is operating under witchcraft. I need you to get up and go to a place. Because when you walk into that place, I've got something I want to give you. So I want you to go to the name Jesse's house. How many knows before he ever named the next king, he had to go through the house of the gift? Are y'all hearing me? How many knows some of y'all watch a preacher preach it and think that'd be a fun thing to do, and you want to be a preacher? But you can't be a preacher until you first go through the gift. You're going to have to find. See, I'm tired of preachers being appointed because their daddy was a preacher and their granddaddy was a preacher and because somebody thought they had charisma. I'm ready for a group of the generation that's been called and gifted, are y'all hearing me, with the gift of the Holy Ghost operating in the gifts of the Spirit for God so loved the world that he gave. You can't preach for Jesus until you receive the gift of Jesus. God, this is some good preaching. I'm almost through. Go to the gift. Just go. Trust me that I got some, I got a gift waiting on you. So he goes in. You know the story. He goes into the house of Jesse. How many knows those, if the most famous godly man in the entire known world shows up at your house, I don't care what show's on TV. You ain't watching it. Huh? I don't care what your calendar had for you that day. You clear it. Because Samuel is in your house. Think about this. This boy who heard God call his name is now responsible for the first two kings of a nation. One, he didn't want to do. He was angry about it. But he did it because God told him to do it. This one. He was pretty excited about because God had just spoke through him. I have found me someone who's after my heart. So he knew I'm going to a place whoever this guy is, he has the heart of God, not like this other man. He walks in and says, I'm here to anoint one of your sons as the next king of Israel. Line up, boys! Line up, boys! And you gotta understand, this is the way it was. This is the way it was. The oldest to the youngest lines up. Lines up the oldest to the youngest. And I don't have time to preach the names of the ones of his sons that were mentioned. They're pretty powerful. He's study and look them up. I was going to preach it, but I'm running out of time. But he starts naming. He names a few of his sons, and he goes through seven of his sons, and he goes all the way down. And every he'd walk up in front of him, and God says, "Not him. That's not him. That's not him. That's not him." He gets all the way down to the last one, and Samuel is a little bit confused. He's like, "I know God told me to come to this house. There was a gift waiting for me." In this this house. Is this all your sons? The famous story that I've preached a thousand times, hundred times at least. He says, I got one more son, but I'm sure it can't be him. He don't even ever want to even hang out with us. He won't go. He won't learn how to do the religious practices. He won't, He don't dress like my boys. I've raised them to look slick-haired and shiny shoe in case they ever get a chance to preach. He don't want to do none of that. He just wants to stay out there in that old nasty, dirty field with them old stinking, nasty sheep. All he ever cares about is those sheep in his harp. My God, probably he's right out there right now probably singing a song to a bunch. A stupid sheep. Surely it's not him. He said, go get him. He comes in. He got he got sheep mess all over him. He's been walking in sheep poo-poo. I gotta be careful how I say that right now. Praise God. Sheep, sheep. Poo poo. Hey. You got a sheep in the front, two sheep and the sheep in the back, two sheep and the sheep in the middle, two sheep. How many sheep you got? Think about it. Just thought I'd throw that one out there. Some I mean, of y'all gonna think about that all day long. Sheep in front, two sheep. Sheep in the back, two sheep. And sheep in the middle, two sheep. How many sheep you got? All right. But wait a minute. So he he comes out. He comes out of the field, and he he stinks. He smells. Why does he stink and he smell like sheep? Because if you ain't got a pastor, which means shepherd, that smells like sheep, you ain't got a shepherd. If your shepherd is afraid to be touched by the sheep, he ain't no shepherd. He walks in. I love love what King James calls him old ruddy boy. Ruddy boy. He walks in. He goes, kneel. He's not dressed up like the rest of them. Jesse's freaking out. What's going on? The Bible says he takes a horn, a shofar, which signifies praise, full of oil, and he begins to pour it. He didn't do this little, make a cross on their forehead. No, he pours it on his head, and it just begins to run down him. And the Lord said, eyes anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed it in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Oh, I, feel the, I feel the Holy Ghost. And the spirit of the Lord. That word spirit is the word breath. The breath of God came upon David. From that day forward, so Samuel arose and went back to his hometown of Ramah. What happened to David? David turned around and said, Appreciate all the pomp and circumstance, but my sheep are alone, and I don't like to leave my sheep alone. So when he got up that morning, he got up as David, who Jesse had named, never knowing that his son would become a king, not just king, but a king. Not just a king that was a man after God's own heart. Not just a king that would be known as the most famous king in the history of Israel. Not just a king who before he ever became king would be involved in one of the most famous stories in the history of the world. David and Goliath who to this day, any time an underdog is facing an insurmountable odds, they still call it a David and Goliath. He didn't know that when that boy was born that somehow he would unite the kingdoms that had been divided. Israel and Judah, he would bring them back together. He didn't know. That his, that his son would be the one that would raise all the money to build a temple one day whose son Solomon would reign and by God the glory of the Lord would come in that place so much that the smoke would fill the place and the priests could not stand to minister but it all began when he breathed his first breath at the very least on the eighth day of his life when they were circumcising him what shall his name be his name shall be David. David means beloved and anointed of God. What a journey. What a journey from Ichabod to beloved. From forsaken to favored. David went on to serve Saul and honor him. Even though he was already the rightfully anointed king, he kept it to himself until it was time. I'm through preaching, but listen to this. Don't don't, don't start getting distracted because you've got to hear this. This is the most important part of my whole message. When the people came to him eventually after he was running for his life from Saul, go read the whole story. Saul tried to kill him. The women would shout, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And he was jealous of him. David had many opportunities to kill him. He wouldn't do it. He said, I'll not touch God's anointing. He said, who am I? Who am I to decide? How do I know that that this man will not change his heart and come back to God? I will not touch him, and I will honor him until God says it's my time. But the people came to him and said, it's time. Saul is dead it's time for you to become king one of the very first things that the beloved named beloved anointed of God chosen blessed one of the first things he did they said what do you what do you want us to do you want us people were try, probably trying to Jockey for favor and trying to do things for him. Do we need to go ahead and make you a throne? Do we need to move ahead and make all these kind of things? He said, No, 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 no. You got to understand something. This is in your Bible. He said, I will not sit on any throne. There will be no crown placed upon my head or royal garments wrapped around me until the ark of God has returned. But come on, go ahead and praise him. Because David knew, there ain't no way I'm going to reign and rule without the glory of God. Ichabod's name means the glory has departed. David's name meant beloved. But David was the man that brought back what brought the whole spirit of Ichabod when it left. The Bible said he was so excited. I want you all to think about this. The Bible said when they found the ark, he was out in front of it. They were marching back to the temple, to the tabernacle, to the tent where they were going to place it. And the Bible says it's incredible. They would take six steps. This is in your Bible. One, two, three, four, five, six. He said every six steps. David would command the entire host that was carrying the ark to stop, blow the trumpets, blow the tambourines, and let's dance and praise God. And they would dance and praise God until they couldn't dance and praise God anymore. And then David would say, let's take six more steps. Every six steps they did that. That's a people that are excited that the glory has returned. Come on, give him a shout, amen. Come on, come on, get up on your feet and praise him. Get up on your feet and praise him. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. praise. If you've been in an Ichabod moment in your life, you feel like you've been in a dark place in your life and you're ready for the glory to return and to come into your life, run up to these altars right now. Just get up here right now. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to break that spirit of Ichabod off of you. Come on. Come on. Get up here. Get out of darkness. Don't live another day in darkness. Run up here. Run up here. Get up here now. Get up here now. You don't have to live another day in the spirit of Ichabod. Step up to the stage. Step up to the stage. Step up to the stage. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, we're breaking the spirit of Ichabod over your life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the glory is returning. The glory is returning. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you, brother. Thank you for obeying God. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God is breaking chains. God is breaking bondages. He don't want you living in darkness another day. I don't care if the world has spoken Ichabod over you. If you spoke spoken over yourself, the glory has returned. We don't just have, we don't serve King David. We serve the King of King David. We got the King of Kings. Have the Lord of Lords. anybody, 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 anybody. Anybody. Anybody else? Anybody else? We're not ashamed of the Holy Ghost in this house. Stretch your hands towards these. These are up here. Raise your hands. Raise your hands as a sign of surrender. Church, help them. Everybody shout it. I'm talking about don't just say it. Shout it. Jesus, we're asking you to forgive us of every sin, everything that we've ever walked in every decision, every statement, every thought that has taken us to a place where we live in depression, in darkness, in judgment. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, the glory has returned, is on my life, because I am forgiven. I am a child of God, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, man. I love you. I love y'all. I love y'all. Listen. Just put your hand on their back and just bless them right now. You ain't got to pray. You ain't got to speak nothing to them. Just bless them. Just cover them in the blood of Jesus. Just pray, pray for their minds, that their minds will be protected. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody praise him like God just brought four people out of a place of darkness into his marvelous light. Somebody praise him that Ichabod was rebuked in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I'm tired of living a life where I have to settle settle just for what I asked for. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. We are limited by what we think we need. Sometimes we just need to say, God, give me what you want for me, no matter what it means. Lead me where you want me to go, no matter where it is. Be faithful. Be faithful. I rebuke Kabad over your life. Can I do something? Can I obey the Lord right now? I believe Solid Rock Church needs to agree. I think there's churches all over the world, especially all this country, in some way is doing this. We need to rebuke the spirit of Ichabod over this nation. We need to pray for our nation right now. We're coming up on elections. We're co- for, I'm not talking about pray that you, that you're directed on who to vote for, because I got news for you. They all need Jesus. Praise God. I'm talking about we need a church. That quits waiting on the on the governments of the world to change it. That's Saul. Are you hearing me? That is Saul. We don't want Saul trying to tell us what we want what we're supposed to do. We want David. We want a man of God that's after his heart. Not after your heart or my heart, but after God's heart. Will you reach over and just join somebody by the hand? Let's touch and agree. Let's touch and agree. Come on. If If you ain't near somebody, get out of your seat and go find somebody. If you see somebody standing by themselves, go get them. Go get them. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we link up and touch hands and those that are watching online, they come in agreement with us as well. We call upon the Lord for our nation. We call upon you, Lord, not for for government uh, elected officials. That's not what this prayer is, God. We're calling on you for revival on our nation. We're calling on revival. We're speaking, God, raise up labors in the midst of the harvest. Get our eyes on you and off of man. Lord, let us know from where our help comes. Our help comes from the Lord. They trust in chariots, they trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a nation that you birthed in your name, a nation you birthed to raise up churches and evangelize the world. God, forgive us. We've lost our way, we forgot about who we are. We've walked under a spirit of Ichabod. We've lived under a spirit of rebellion, witchcraft, stubbornness. We have chosen our own path. But Lord, I'm asking you, raise up a remnant of churches all over America, all over the world. But I especially pray for my region, the Birmingham region. God, raise us up. Unite the races. Unite the denominations. Tear down walls in the name of Jesus. Unite us together, God, that we will be one church, one voice and we would see a revival as such no generation has ever seen. Joel chapter 2. Everything, Hebrews chapter 12 shall be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. Shake us Lord and we will have our hands raised. Shake this nation and we will fall on our knees. We are crying out God for revival on our nation. We curse The spirit of Ichabod over this country, over every church that have chosen that path. Wake up the mighty men of God. Wake up the pastors. Wake up the men and women of God. Lord, show them their job is not to please man, but to please God. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everybody shout in this place. Come on. Shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, I know what you just spoke and prayed, not trying to put guilt on you, but barring an unbelievable reason, there's no reason that every single one of you that just shouted for revival would not be back tonight at 6 o'clock believing God for miracles. I would come because the first sign of revival is miracles. Come, bring the sick. Get on the phone. Go to your neighbor's house. Put them in your car and bring them. And we're going to pray for them tonight. Revival. Hallelujah. You been blessed today? Give Jesus some praise right now. Give Jesus some praise right now. Give him some praise right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. One more thing. I know it's late. I don't care. One more thing I'm going to do. I'm praying against this coronavirus right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just say whatever's going on with this so-called coronavirus, we break the stronghold that it has on this nation and the world. We take it seriously. We know it is infirmity sent from hell. We know we need to be smart. But at the same time, we break this spirit of fear that has got people gripped in. God, we got too much to do. We got too much to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray for healing. Let me say something. Let me say something. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, I need everybody to listen. Let me say something. Do you know what God spoke to me this morning about this coronavirus? Here is what the attempt is it is the attempt to keep us from laying hands on people. Because they tell you not to touch anybody. But watch this. Jesus didn't say, watch this, you will pray for people and they will be healed. He said, you will lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. It is causing the church to not even want the man of God to touch them. I respect it, okay? I'm not trying to say you're, you're weird and you're not of God, that you're a germaphobe or you don't like to be touched, okay? I understand some people are just that way. I'm not being critical. But I'm telling you, this is just another attempt to keep us from being able to be in each other's lives and pray for each other. If you'll permit me, I will lay hands upon you and I will rebuke that devil and we will believe that not only will God heal you of the sickness, he'll protect you from anything I got on my hand that you don't need. God bless you. Have a great day.